As we start this series called Living a Faith That is Alive, I want to point our attention to a statement the disciples made. And they said to Jesus, increase our faith. Now, that's a good thing to ask for, but it got me thinking, if you and I were going to ask for things, if Jesus was going to start doling out some requests, maybe you and I would ask for something else to be increased. Maybe you and I would ask, hey, God, increase my home, increase my income, increase my bank account, or maybe we think about, God, increase my talents or my abilities or my popularity. Uh, God, increase my, my athleticism. I always wish I could have jumped higher than, than I did. Whatever we would have asked for, it would have paled. They asked for faith. And that was a good call because when push comes to shove, when you, when you and I are facing the most difficult moments in our life, it is faith that matters the most. See, when life hits the hardest, faith is what will see us through. And maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're experiencing one of those moments where your faith is being tested and you're not sure what's going on or, or how things are going to work out. Can I tell you, it is faith, a living faith in God that is going to see you through that adversity. It is a living faith in God that can, can cause character to grow in our spirit. It is a, a living faith in God that will cause us to be productive and useful for the things of God and his kingdom. And I want to make a distinction between faith and a living faith, an active faith. Because the book of James describes a faith that is dead. It has no works and has no evidence that there's actually faith in that person's life. We're talking about something else. We're talking about a living faith, a faith that is alive, that you can see and the people around you can see. There is evidence of that faith in our lives and our reaction to what life throws at us. So today we're going to look at how to grow in our faith. And in doing so, we're going to look at three different widows in the scripture and how they are an example to how we can grow in faith. And so to set the scene for the first one here, uh, this was a, uh, a widow in the days where Israel and Judah were, were separated in the divided kingdom. And Elijah the prophet was around. And because, because they had chased after other gods and were not pursuing God, God caused Elijah to cause a famine and he prophesied no rain. And so then uh, a famine had come upon the land. And then God says this to Elijah. He says, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. Now, this was not in Israel. This was a pagan place, actually where the, the center of Baal worship, one of the false gods, was at. It says, I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jug that I might have a drink? So she was going to get any called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Now, I don't know how you read that, but I take that as a little bit forward. He had just met this person, didn't know her at all. Obviously, she was in need, picking up sticks for survival. He says, hey, can I bother you for a little drink? And since you're up, how about a bit of food as well? And just stopping right here in this part of the story, I get a little embarrassed for Elijah that he would even ask these things. But she says this, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now that's depressing. That's, that's a hard place to be in. And here's why it was such a grave situation for her. See, widows in those days would have owned no land. She would have had no source of income with a small child. 
And so her plan was simply this. I'm going to have to live on the generosity of other people. And when this famine hit and the drought was raging, the, the gravy train of people's generosity had dried up and she was basically out of food. She was making a fire to cook her last meal so she could eat it and then they could just slowly wither away and die in starvation. It is in that point of helplessness, in that point of hopelessness, that God sends the prophet Elijah to meet her in that greatest hour of need. Can I tell you something? That says that there is a God who saw her need, that he knew exactly what was going on in her life. And he is also the God who cares. This proves that he is a God who is attentive to the needs of all people. And that thirdly, that he is a God who provides a way, who makes a way for those who are in helpless situations to have hope once again. Can I tell you that same is true for you? I don't know what you're going through or what the situation you may be facing, but I can tell you definitively, there is a God who sees you. He knows exactly what you're going through. And there is a God who cares. He's not looking at you in condemnation. He is looking at you with compassion. And, and you may not even see how this is happening, but right now that same God is orchestrating events that you might have a way provided forward for you. So Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. But first, make me a small loaf of bread from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. He gives her this crazy plan. He says, listen, you go ahead and make your last meal, but I want you to know something. I'm going to ask that you make me a small loaf so I can eat first. I know you're in trouble. I know this is your last meal. I know you don't have enough to survive, but, but it's going to be okay and you're going to be fine. You can trust me and my God. You say, why in the world would God orchestrate events like this? Can I tell you very plainly, this is a test. This is a moment in this woman's life where her faith is being tested. See, this isn't really about the food. This is about her faith. And this test was absolutely necessary if she was going to go from, I don't know if there's a God and I don't know if I can trust this God and I certainly don't know that he cares about me or, or if he's going to do anything for me. So I'm just going to plan on dying to a place where she can say, I, I trust him and to live by faith that God has got this. See, when you and I face trials, Really what God is doing in our life, he's not so much interested in the food if you need food, although he's there to provide the food. And if you need an answer to provide the answer or to find a way out if you're stuck in a tough place, God is interested in those things. But he's also very interested in you and I growing in our faith in those very moments. And so he tests us. And I want you to understand something. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. That's why he tests our faith, so we can trust our faith. We can trust the God of our faith. If you have a favorite sports team and, and you know they, they haven't played anybody, but then they have a, a serious rise in competition and they're going to go against somebody tough, you'll find out very quickly in that game whether they are of the right stuff or not. And that test proves their mettle. Or if you're 
in your home and there's a storm raging, you'll find out very quickly, was that home well built or are there things I need to shore up on the outside of my home? That storm will reveal the quality of the build of that home and you'll know if that home can be trusted or not. Listen, a faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. So then it says this, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. What? Can you believe? I'm stunned even now reading that. What? There is no explanation for an action like that other than faith, a living faith in the living God. And then it says this. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now this is a happy ending, but listen, we don't get there without faith. She didn't know what was going to happen. She had no idea if this was actually going to turn out the way the prophet said. And yet in that moment of, of crisis, she chose to trust and believe him and to believe in our God. And, and the first thing we can learn about growing in our faith is simply this, that a faith that is alive trusts God when we don't understand. It says, God, listen, even though I don't understand and I don't know what you're doing and I'm not sure why this is happening to me, it is well with my soul. Can I ask you, do you have the same confidence in God like she did? Do you have confidence like that? If you don't, if you're wavering in your faith, can I ask you simply do a couple of things? One, uh, begin to pray as the disciples and increase our faith. God, help me to be a person of faith that trusts you when the trial comes, when the testing comes. And secondly, start practicing faith in the everyday things of your ordinary life. And so when you're in the checkout line at the grocery store and it's backed up and all the other ones are moving and yours isn't moving and you say, God, why did I pick this line? Why did this have to happen to me? You know I'm in a hurry. God, oh, now she's getting out coupons. I can't believe this. Can I tell you, that's not faith. But a small act of faith would be God. Okay, I see you got me here and I'm not sure why I'm here, but maybe it's the people standing here. Maybe you're just trying to slow me down and say something to me. Maybe the, the, the person at the, at the register needs a word of encouragement. Maybe, God, there's some reason you've got me where you've got me. And so I'm gonna press in by faith, trusting that you have a purpose and a plan in it. See, God has purpose in the every detail of our life. When you and I begin to see that, when you and I begin to trust in that, we'll begin to see the hand of God work and move in our daily life. And get this, when we begin to trust in these little ordinary daily things in our life, then when the big storms of life hit, you and I will be ready to trust Him. So think about it. If you don't choose faith, what are, what are our other options? I mean, we can choose fear. We can choose worry. We can choose discouragement. I don't think any of us like those options, but I think you and I continue to choose those options, listen, to reinforce the illusion that we are in control. Did you catch that? This idea that that I can still make things happen, I can still find the way out. Listen, when you and I stop trusting in ourselves, that's when we can start trusting in God. That has to come first. 
And so in this, in this encounter, I want you to notice after Elijah asks her for the bread, the very next thing he says is he points out her fear and he says, listen, do not fear. It's if he's saying this, you're going to have to leave your fear behind in order to trust God. You're going to have to leave your self-reliance behind in order to see God work in your life. If you're going to have faith in God, you got to have, stop having so much faith in yourself. Can I just challenge you when you're facing the unknown, a difficult situation, a hopelessness, a despair, a depressing moment, wherever you're facing, can, you can seize that opportunity to not rely on yourself and not depend on yourself, but to trust in God. He's trustworthy. So now our second example of living a faith that is alive comes from a widow about a generation ahead from where we just looked, it's during the lifetime of Elijah, and it says this. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. She, obviously, Elijah knew him. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elijah replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? Now listen, this is the critical moment of, of her faith, the crisis of faith that she's entered into. And she's either going to look around with eyes of faith to see something, or she's going to look with the eyes of defeat and not see anything. And she begins her statement in defeats and says, your servant has nothing there at all. If that was the end of her statement, there would be no more story to this. There would be no lesson to learn in faith. And, and we wouldn't even have this story in the scriptures. God would not have worked in this situation if she had stopped right there. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you look around your situation and you feel hopeless. And you feel like there's nothing you can do or anyone can do or God can do that you're stuck and there's no way out. Can I tell you, I bet that isn't true. The reason I say that is for the next statement. She says, there's nothing there at all except, and I love that word, except a small jar of olive oil. Her eyes of defeat becomes, become eyes of faith, and she sees something that God can work with. She sees there is a resource, there is a way, there is a possibility that maybe God can work and move in my situation. Listen, and oftentimes when we don't see what God has already given, we miss out on what God wants to do in our lives. If we would only change our eyes from seeing what we don't have to seeing what we do have. So Elijah says, go around. And ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you, you and your sons. Pour oil into the jars, and as each is filled, put it to the side. She left him, and she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. And he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and she told the man of God, and he said, Go and sell the oil and pay your debts. Then you and your sons can live on what is left. Now that is another amazing God, miraculous story. I love the finish to that story, but it does not happen apart from faith. It just doesn't happen. See, a faith that is alive sees what God has given. It sees what God has given. And let's be honest, we all come to God initially uh, for what he can give us. Uh, and that's okay, that's, that's necessary. 
Um, and when we get it, when, when in Christ we, we realize we get the forgiveness of God, that Jesus' death on the cross wipes out our sins, and we get the acceptance of God and being ushered into his family, and we, we get the purpose of God and, and hope from God and peace from God, and all that he pours on us, that moment we believe, I mean, we realize it was worth it. But the next part of our faith journey, it's really critically important that we make a transition because here's the, here's the question I want to ask you. We will either go down one or two roads with God. We will either keep following God for what else he might give us or we will follow God out of gratitude for what he has already given. Can I ask you, which of those two reasons are you following God? And your answer to that goes a long way to determine whether one day you'll become disillusioned with God or not. Because if God has to continue to be your genie and keep giving you what you want and keep bailing you out of situations and not allowing hardships and always giving you answers for why you're going through what you're going through, at some point you will be let down and your faith will be stunted. So instead of asking, what else can I get? We ought to be asking, what has God already given? What do I have? See, oftentimes what we don't have gets so big in our eyes and, and it shrinks the things behind it that we do have. And we have to intentionally take our eyes off of what we, we don't have and re, refocus them on what we do have. And when we do that, man, when we start seeing the things that we have, we'll start recognizing the faithfulness and the trustworthiness of God, that there was a situation that I was in and that God, you found, I found you to be faithful and you proved yourself trustworthy and you got me out of that and you got me out of this one and you saw me through this and you delivered me from that. And there'll be a track record of God's faithfulness that we can point to and recognize when we start to see what God has given, he has been incredibly, incredibly faithful. It reminds me of a powerful passage in Romans 8 and it says this, but he who did not, Spare his own son, God, but gave him up for us all. How will he also, along with the son, not graciously give us all things? See, God has already given us the biggest gift he could ever give us. The most important thing we could ever have is that the, the death of his son, he gave his very son for you and I. So that means you are incredibly important to God. In fact, he is more invested in you than you could ever imagine that even more than you're invested in you, he invested in the most precious thing he could ever invest in you. And that was the blood of his son, Jesus being poured out in a death that you and I deserved. He did that because he loved us. And so, yes, if he was willing to do that, if he was willing to give his son, then yes, of course, he will be give, he'll be willing to give us the things we need today. That's the lesson we learned from this second widow. The third lesson comes from the life of Jesus. We're going to go to the Gospels here, and it says this. So Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few pennies. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. Listen, if you've ever given your last dollar, you know exactly what it means to live by faith. That's exactly what this widow did. 
And listen, it doesn't make any kind of sense. It, it doesn't make any logical or financial sense to give that away, but it makes sense when you see things through the eyes of God. And this is exactly what that widow saw. She saw that faith that is alive knows that hardship is temporary, but that reward is eternal. She knew the hunger she may feel for a few days because she'd given her money away. That won't last. But the, the opportunity to invest in eternity into the things of God, man, that goes on forever. And regardless of what you're facing, your situation of health or finances or relationships, whatever you're going through, that hardship, it is a temporary situation and that one day it'll be gone. But the things of God, the faith to trust God are, is the thing that will go on forever can tell you i'm so impressed by that faith i I don't think we get there unless god by the by the grace of god he gives us the ability to trust him like this widow does and and we need to be crying out just like the disciples did god increase our faith now you may have not have heard the word or the name horatio spafford i'll give you a break he was around 150 years ago He was a successful lawyer in Chicago. He was a man of faith. Uh, His faith was in Christ. And um, in the fire of great fire of Chicago in 1871, he lost some properties, but more tragically, he lost the life of his only son. A few years after that, his wife and daughters were traveling across the sea to Europe and the boat that they were on sunk. And they rescued his wife, but his four daughters drowned. You could imagine the heartbreak he would have and the, and the tragedy he would feel, the blackness that he must have felt as he's riding on a boat a few days later across the same sea, going to meet and console his heartbroken wife in Europe. And on the deck of that ship, where he could have been in total despair, he cries out to God in faith and he finds that the faith in God is sufficient to see him through that. And he pens some words that have brought hope and strengthen the faith of thousands and millions of followers of Christ since that day. And here's what he wrote. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Man, that is a faith that is alive. I want all of us to press in that we would begin to ask God for a similar faith to trust him. If a day of darkness, anything like that ever visited us, that we would be able to say, just like he did, it is well. God, I trust you. Your ways are higher than my ways. God, we ought to be praying, God, increase my faith. We ought to be practicing faith in the daily opportunities in life to trust God in these little moments so that if the day of the storm comes upon us, we'll be able to weather the storm in faith, trusting God. See, when that day of, of, of storm comes to your life and mine, we might respond in fear. We can choose to respond in discouragement or worry. We can choose to respond in self-reliance or we can choose to respond by faith. May we follow the example of these widows to trust God in the dire, most critical crisis in our life that we trust in the living God who gives us a living hope to know that he is trustworthy, that we'd be able to declare, God, today I trust you.
Now listen, beyond all the circumstances and the problems of this world, there is something else that we need to be able to trust God with, and that is our very eternity. The, the, the very condition and destination of our soul needs to be resting in the hands and the trustworthiness of God alone. See, we will all face the unknown of life after this life one day. And our faith needs to be found in him for that. Beyond just trusting God with what is going on in your life, you need to trust him with you. You need to trust him with your very soul. And I pray that God gives you the eyes of faith today to see that that is exactly why Jesus died upon the cross to remove the separation that sin causes between us and our heavenly father. And that we can know him in relationship and know his love and acceptance. The, the, the sacrifice of Jesus shows us, man, it proves that God, we can trust him because of his amazing love for us. And then the resurrection of Christ, it proves something else, that God is powerful. We can trust him because he has captured life and eternity in his hands, and he offers it to those who ask and receive it. I'm going to challenge you today. Will you trust him? Not with what else is going on, but with you. Will you trust him with your very soul today and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you for your sins and to take you to heaven one day? I want you to pray with me right now. Father in heaven, we come to you by faith. Prayer is an act of faith. And in faith, we just ask for your forgiveness in Christ. Tell God you're sorry for the sins you've committed that have separated you from him. Tell God that you see that he has provided a way through Christ and that the best you know how you're placing all your faith, not in anything else, but in Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins. And then tell God, this isn't just a one-time deal, that you're ready to follow him the rest of your life. You won't live for the temporary things of this world. And God, I pray for the believers. God, give us faith increase our faith god help us to trust you even when there is the unknown we're facing we don't know a way out that we would still trust you because you are a god who is trustworthy god i pray for those who are struggling to see a way out and seeing you work in their lives and i pray god you give them the eyes of faith to see that there is a possibility there's still hope and they can trust you god in this very moment and God, I pray for all of us believers, God, that we would look past the trappings of this world. God, we would not be so enamored with the temporary hardship we may be facing, but God, turn our eyes to eternity and realize one day all striving will cease and all hardship will be gone and our great God will make all things right. God, give us the faith to trust you today and every day moving forward, confident you're a God who sees, who cares, and who provides. In Jesus' name, amen.